part of this is um, how do you celebrate? How do you celebrate our occasion of Thanksgiving in a way that just is really both reminding us and challenging us in these days? And so part of the theme in today's teaching is the thanks we give to our Father in heaven. The thanks that we give to our Father that is in heaven. So moving in Ephesians, this comes to mind, and I think that it's important. In the first chapter, at verse 7, it says this, We have in him redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8 says, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. And it says, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. There's a gathering that's happening because it has been preceded by a forgiveness that has been rendered to all of us. You'll remember from a text of scripture in Luke 23, 24, that from the cross, Jesus pronounced, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we can say historically, but of course they did. Jesus wasn't referring to the Romans. They were simply an instrument that God would use in which the Son, in obedience, would surrender himself to that cross, that the Father, by the voicing of his Son, would forgive all of us for that magnificent sacrifice, that costly gift to us, the only begotten Son from the Father. And so one of the things that we need to be mindful of, because we can so easily forget that transaction that took place on the cross, is what allows us the freedom of being unchained. When we do not have forgiveness, we are bound up by whomever holds that grudge, whoever has that wrath. And you do not want to be under the wrath of God, nor does he want any of us to be under his wrath. There's a time in which a world will have had sufficient time to have repented and to have entrusted themselves by faith into the hands and the heart of a loving father who gave his son. So even in the title, the thanks that we give to our father in heaven is by acknowledging that God has forgiven us because of his son. Forgiveness, Ephesians 1 through 7, primarily as our anchor verse there, but also what Jesus himself confirmed in his voice. Had he not uttered that, it wasn't simply sufficient to die. He needed to say with his own mouth, 
to the ears of his father, they're forgiven because of your love and because you've sent me as an ambassador of your love. I like that. Secondly, one of the means by which the Lord takes great pleasure is to acknowledge him as father. And the scriptures say to us, and we'll turn there, Romans 8, 15. And so let me get back there with you. But in Romans and in um, the 15th verse of it, it speaks of a special word. We kind of take it for granted in our earthly tenure. It's a very special word. And it ought to have, I think, perhaps a new understanding to some of us that maybe don't esteem it as high as God does. In the 15th verse, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again. Paul's writing doctrine on this. Because of the love of the Father that we are forgiven, we can dovetail this in, we're not under bondage again. We're not under bondage to fear specifically is what it says. But you receive the spirit of adoption. That's the special word. The special word for us to remember is that as believers, and we are told a royal priesthood that the church has as its very special seal by the Spirit, we are those who lovingly are looked at, being grafted in to what we also need to be considered of, and that's the nation of Israel who were given the oracles of God by our Father. We worship the same God, they just missed Messiah upon confession. But it's not indefinite. There will be a specific day in which they turn to him. Many are turning to him now as their Lord and Savior. And as they do so, there's no longer dividing line between them and us. The nation's special. God the Father has told us that. And we being unique as the church must be reminded that we've been adopted. The eyes of the Father were upon the nation of Israel, a peculiar people, stiff-necked in disposition, disobedient continually. When we look at them, it's very difficult to say, ah, it sounds like kind of what my disposition has been, what at times my life reflected, and that's what you are to see. God has done with us through his son an adoption that is likened to the favor that he has given to Israel. And it's a wonderful thing because in addition to being adopted, he also says, and we're his bride, giving thanks to the Father for forgiveness, giving thanks to the Father for our adoption. And he never looks at us as not being as authentically linked with him in the lineage of our faith 
than he does looking at his son and the lineage of the Godhead. It's an amazing picture that God gives us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, distinct in personality. But they never argue about the reality of their love as one for us. And Jesus continued to remind his disciples that in him being seen by them, they indeed had seen the Father. They didn't need to be confused about him. Thirdly, there is something that the Father also needs to be thanked for. Oh, he's not up there going, I'm so needy, I just need to be thanked. We need to thank him for what Romans 12 tells us. And so turn over a couple of pages. And in the second verse, our thanksgiving to God the Father hinges on this verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God is giving us context in this scripture through Paul's writing to the Roman church that there's a proof that is available to us that distinguishes the power of God and the difference of the change in us that is authentic. It doesn't matter how you dress. We all dress differently. It doesn't matter where you came from. You're not there presently. Here you are seated in the house of God. You're a family. By faith, I need to believe that. Whether the facts are true or not is not for me to argue. Because we all have facts about our life that perhaps we think do contradict what God indeed sees us at presently. We're not perfect right now, but we're shielded because we've been adopted, because we've been forgiven in truly the robe of Jesus's righteousness. And as a result, there is a transformed personality and individuality that we uniquely have in God. It says that it starts here, this transformation, is by being brought out of conformity to the world. That's why when you come here, you can honestly say, I've been brought out of the conformity that at times ensnares me, that indeed has influenced me, not now, not in this moment. I'm not in conformity to it. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind through the reading of scripture, the explanation through teachings of sound doctrine, the unique witness of the believers that I am among, who with the Spirit of God in them, challenge me to live uniquely for Him. When you saw our student body up here, didn't it refresh you? Didn't it stimulate you? I mean, they're wearing great shirts. We did that importantly because... We wanted to mark them as a work of God in this body. You heard their voices, both as singers and three that were giving testimony. It's inarguable 
there is a transformed mind, and you heard that in testimony. How can we argue with it? How can we argue with you? Is the transformation perfect yet? No, but you're being perfected. You can't leave here without having stuff to think about and things that perhaps need to be offered up to the Lord. All of us do. One of our young guys from the internship over the summer came as a special visitor to us last night. And I was blessed because he was sharing with me that since he's been away from the school, it's been a harder season for him. And I took that as a boasting point in terms of what he discovered while being here among us. And I said, well, you're welcome to come in to the next session. We love you. And a guy who truly has gone through a hardship physically, his kidneys have shut down. He's on dialysis three days a week for three hours at a time. He loves the Lord. His affliction was that which brought him to his knees and being brought to his knees just brought him to confession. And he is affirmatively on fire for the Lord, but he was telling me it's been hard. And he came last night to just, I think, become a part of it again. Hope we do see him. Wonderful brother. Wonderful enough in his transformation to say, man, I feel it here again. I just feel it here again. It was so right in what I was involved in. And in leaving, I learned a lot about God, but I also learned a lot about myself. There's stuff that I need to still give up, and there's a course that I must follow diligently. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God's allowing you to be a proof because as your mind is transformed, everything about what you do, where you are, how you live, speaks volumes because of the Lord. His transformation of your mind by sound doctrine. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us another thing to be thankful for, healing. This is a quick one. I think you know that it's a gift. It's a spiritual gift. I'm going to take you to verse 15. But ultimately, I have a couple of others, I think. I'm going to take you actually to the sixth verse. I did mark that. Here's why. This is distinction in this passage that identifies God and the personalities of himself, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the uniqueness of their ministries. Verse 6, regarding this, and there are diversities of activities, but it is, it is the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts 
of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. You've been gifted by God, and in particular in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the diversity of gifts that have been given to you. The Bible tells us in this section that God in the power, uniquely as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the one who distinctly manifests these. The diversities, the ministries, the manifestations, these are to be thanked to the Lord who has given to us these giftings. Some of you have been obviously healed from many afflictions. You literally have been healed. Your life has been extended. You've been spared mercifully from accidents that either came upon you, perhaps your own fault, or by accident, somebody else's. You've been healed. There are testimonies of people who have been healed in this body. That's the ministry of the Spirit. That is the oversight of God. And that is something that He deserves indeed thanks for. The thanks we give to our Father in heaven. In Romans 6, you can turn there. We have only one more text to look at. But in Romans 6, and in the 20... Third verse. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've inherited a free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus would say, concerning his Father, in that classic John 3.16 verse, that he was indeed the Son sent from heaven to earth because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. We give thanks to the Father for this provision. It's true. It doesn't matter how tired you may be of life now. You won't be tired in the afterlife. After this tenure on earth is life eternal, perfect in every facet that you would measure feebly what perfection means. We only have a feeble understanding of what perfection means. But I know this, no matter where you go on this earth, as marvelous it may be for that moment that you step into it, you will eventually find yourself no longer intrigued by it, perhaps even bored longing still for home, and yet you realize that even at home, there's something that's always drawing you away. What you need to understand is that's the Lord that is challenging you in perhaps your contentment or your complacency, or even, if you would, the potential of fascination elsewhere besides your focus, which is to be upwards, heaven-bound, being prepared for that. There's nothing on earth, though we may be intrigued and impressed, 
that compares to what God is preparing for us in heaven and its eternal life in a perfect state. You no longer will be at all in the presence of sin. None of us have experienced that. It's to be experienced up there. The longing is to be found in our hearts presently down here. The thanks we give to our Father in heaven, forgiveness, adoption, transformed by his word, our thinking changes, our directions are not clumsy any longer, healing, eternal life, and closing, if you would, the resource of promise. That's important. Go ahead to 2 Peter, and in the first chapter, I'm going to pick it up here, and this concludes it. Your devotional concluded. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. When you see in the knowledge of God, and it says this, our Lord Jesus Christ, or the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, the Father's being paired up with the Son in that sentence. Jesus would refer to him as our Father in heaven. He would also refer to him as God. And yet they are one and the same. The resources of promises and provisions. As his divine power has given us, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God's made the escape. You live from his perspective in the presence of the Lord and from the access that the world wants to have of you in the lusts and the conformity to it, while at the same time you have promises that are given to you by his word, and you have provision that is manifested to you miraculously, very often in practical matters that you didn't even think about, because that's the way that God works. The thanks we give to our Father in heaven, this Thanksgiving, as you get the smells of what comes from the oven and then the stovetop, as family comes in to be a part of your life, you entering into another home to be a part of their life, something to consider as your life has been given as a gift from God to you and those whom you are influential with. I've been forgiven by God. I've been adopted by God. I've been transformed by God through the word. I've been healed by God. I have eternal life because of God. I have resources yet to receive as I reflect back and know exactly what he's given.